You guys ready to get into the Word this morning? All right. Um, If you would open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue on from where uh, Pastor Eric left off last week. Uh, Eric is up uh, hunting this weekend uh, with his son. Uh, Hopefully they will get something uh, this year and uh, bring back some some good game for uh, for me to, to to share with them, hopefully. Um, uh, but uh, uh, so you can be praying for him, just an enjoyable time with his son uh, uh, this, this weekend. Um, I've titled this message, uh, the, the Conquering of Two Powers. The Conquering of Two Powers. So let, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you. We thank you for the power of your word, the power and the authority that you bring into this life and into our lives, Lord. Lord, you, uh, as you ascended to the Father, you said, one will come behind you, the Holy Spirit, and he will give us that same power to walk this Christian life out. And Lord, we thank you for that. But as we look at your story, as we look at you walking through the pages of Scripture, Lord, as we, as we look at Jesus' steps and what he did, Lord, would you speak to us in a very powerful way this morning? Would you uh, challenge us even in the way we live in, in, in our Christian life? And so we give you this time, Lord, and we ask you to, to come and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start by saying I wasn't a very good test taker in school. How many of you uh, can relate? Uh, just not that great. Man, I could, I could study all night. I could have all the, the, the flashcards and all the, all the formulas all memorized and all that. And, then, and even like have the best study group. And then I would go in to take the test and I would, uh, I would always feel like, gosh, I, I didn't slay that uh, test at all. I, 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 really, I really botched that and I would always throw up a prayer at the end as I'm fi- you know, finishing that last, that last question. And it's like, Lord, please just let me pass. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, Lord, please let me pass this test. And, and I got through high school and college and I did fine and, and all that, but I just never like knew that I aced or got 100%. I just never did. And um, uh, my wife has told me since then, she's an educator and, and she says, I have test anxiety. And I'm like, well, what's that? You know, like, what's test anxiety? And she, she was explaining, like, like, you just get nervous and, and you're just overwhelmed when you have to take a test. And I was like, okay, um, thank you for telling me that. Uh, now I feel much better. Um, uh, and and I, I think uh, about tests, exams. You know, what are they for? What, what does a test do? You know, I, I think of what a test is supposed to do is to, to, uh, to show us what we know, right? To, to help us see what, what we've taken in and now is able to apply. And this morning we're going to see Jesus giving a test to his disciples. His disciples are going to fail that test miserably. Uh, this morning, and 
maybe we can find ourselves kind of in the story uh, ourselves a bit, uh, being one of those disciples uh, in, in, this, in this story this morning. Jesus' disciples know a lot about faith. They've actually watched Jesus teach and, and preach and talk about uh, faith and, and even uh, seen him do miracles right in front of their eyes. Jesus and yet, Jesus tests their faith, and they fail to activate what they know. You see, Jesus' disciples didn't know that faith that's not tested is faith that's not trusted. Jesus wants to know that his disciples are going to pass the test. Why? Because the whole point is Jesus is going to be ascending to the Father and they are going to be left here to live out their faith. And he wanted to know that, that that's been put into practice, put into to, to place into their life. And so we're going to see this, uh, this test this morning. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 22 where we left off last week. So read with me in verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day. That he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. It's been a long day of ministry. Jesus had just finished teaching the, the parables of the kingdom and probably was pretty tired uh, from a long day of ministry. I, I could imagine the disciples, they kind of felt like, postgraduate students uh, of the school of faith that, as Jesus was teaching these deep things and they were gaining all this knowledge from Jesus and there's, oh man, this is good. I don't necessarily know or understand all of it, but oh, this is good. And, and, and they were taking it in and yet the knowledge is going to be tested as they head out across the Sea of Galilee. Look at verse 23. But as they sailed, he, meaning Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were, fi they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. The boat was filling with water. They were starting to be concerned. The storm has come upon the, the boat. So Jesus gets in the boat. He finds a place to rest. Falls asleep. And all of a sudden, this storm comes quickly upon, upon, upon them in the middle of the sea. The Sea of Galilee is about six and a half miles wide. To go across the Sea of Galilee in a small boat without a motor, and you're just uh, a sailboat, it, it would take a, a quite a bit of time to get across that sea. Several hours uh, to be exact, something also you need to know about the Sea of Galilee, it sits 680 feet below sea level. So if you were in this, the Galilee region, you would look down from the mountains that surround Galilee and you would look down upon the sea. So the sea, because it's below sea level, and because the mountains kind of surround that area, the, the hot air from the sea would rise up. 
and it would pull in the, the air from the Mediterranean. And so as that air is, is lifting and this air is coming in from the Mediterranean, it would cause a vacuum effect and, and cause storms or windstorms to come in a moment upon the Sea of Galilee. In fact, I've heard of uh, tour groups that have toured that area and have been there watching this happen as these, these clouds and these storms would come in really quickly upon the Sea of Galilee. And that's why it says it came down upon them in this section. So interesting to, to kind of see that in this, in this text. So they, would, they could easily be caught in a deadly storm upon the Sea of Galilee. So here Jesus and his disciples are crossing the sea and a raging storm comes upon them. Verse 24, and they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We're perishing. This was no little thing. The disciples, they weren't kind of like, um, Jesus, um, I have a little concern. Uh, no, they came, Jesus, we're gonna die. We're we're going to perish. What are you doing? How can you be sleeping? He said, Lord, we're perishing. And yet Jesus was asleep in the boat. Huh. Sometimes I feel just like these disciples. The storms of life are raging. And I'm wondering, where are you, Jesus? You ever been there in life? Something happens in your family, a death comes, a difficulty, a huge struggle, and you're like, Lord, where are you? Where are you right now? I feel like I'm dying, and yet, you're asleep, it feels like. Ever feel that way? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in your own storm that you're walking through. Look at, look at what Jesus does. We see Jesus have power over the natural um, in this story. Look at verse 24. And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm but Jesus said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Disciples, where is your faith? First thing Jesus does is he rebukes this storm, right? The word rebuke here is the same word that Jesus used to rebuke Peter when he said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. There was a reason why the storm came upon the Sea of Galilee, and it was because the enemy didn't want him to get to the other side. And Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. And what's interesting is when wind stops, the waves don't stop. Not for a while. If you've ever been at the ocean or a lake or whatever, if the wind stops, the, the, the waves are going to continue. The water is moving, and it's going to work itself out. Well, Jesus has power not over the wind, but the water and the waves and anything in this life. 
He is the Almighty. He has power over all. And we're going to see that even greater in this next story. But Jesus here is overcome not only the wind but the waves and it is calm. The waves are gone and the disciples in this second are going to be blown away. You see, the disciples had heard the lessons from Jesus. They'd, been, they'd seen him teach all these great things but failed to put them into practice. The disciples had heard all these great things, seen miracles, and forgot to actually put it into practice. Guys, we can come into church week after week and hear great teachings and go, wow, oh man, that was profound. That was so good. Did you hear that this morning? That was so good. And then we can walk right outside these doors and do nothing different. We're guilty, honestly. Oftentimes, we're guilty of doing nothing different. Three things that the disciples failed in at this, in their test this morning. First is they didn't believe in his promise. They didn't believe in his promise. What did Jesus say? He says, let's cross to the other side. When Jesus gives a promise, when he gives a word, he means what he says. He's going to be faithful to fulfill that promise. This is where the disciples lacked faith. Where is your faith? What test is God walking you through right now? Where's your faith? Are you trusting him that he's going to pull you through even in the toughest moment? in the most difficult circumstance? Is he gonna be faithful to hold you up? Is he gonna be, be there in the midst of that? Where is your faith? Second, they didn't trust his presence. Where was Jesus? Jesus was right there in the boat with them, right? The creator of the world, the Messiah, God in flesh, is sitting in the boat with them, and yet they didn't trust his presence. His presence should have given them assurance that they were going to make it to the other side, that they were going to be okay. And then third, they didn't rest in his peace. There was a storm happening, raging storm. Jesus is asleep in the boat. It's not a coincidence. It's not because he was just so tired. It's because he was at peace. And, and, and the disciples didn't understand, didn't come near him and say, oh, we should, we should learn from what, what Jesus is doing right now and be at peace. So let me stop for a second and, and, and ask you a few questions. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a storm. Or maybe you, your life is being shaken like this boat as, as we see in this story. And maybe your life is, being, is filled with fear and anxiety and worry, just like these disciples. First thing you need to do is you need to hold on to God's promises. That's what God would want you to do. So find a promise. F find, when you're in that situation, open up the word and find a promise 
and hold on to that promise because his promises are true. They're real. And they're powerful. Like Isaiah 12, 2, where it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. He is my salvation. He is the one. He is the one my, I can hold on to. He is my life. And I hold on to that. Hold on to a promise. Find a promise. Hold on to it. Second, trust his presence. God, over and over again, told Abraham, Abraham, I'm with you. That's all Abraham needed. At least that's all God thought that Abraham needed. Over and over again, he said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to go to a land that you don't know of, but I am with you. Abraham, you don't understand what's happening in your life. I know you don't understand what's coming, and I know you don't understand that you're going to be the father of many nations, but Abraham, I am with you. Genesis 26, he talks to Isaac. Now, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac here is, is then the next his, uh, the next in line, and, and God comes to Isaac and says, Isaac, I'm with you. Jacob, in Genesis chapter 31, Jacob, Jacob is in a struggle, and he's going through some hard times, and God comes to Jacob and says, hey, Jacob, I want you to know that I am with you. I'm with you. Remember, God's presence in your life. He is with you. You know that moment when you were a kid and you kind of woke up in the middle of the night and you had a kind of a bad dream and you're just like worried and you kind of cry out for mom and dad, mom, dad. And, and, and they come and they come running into the room and, and they're like, I'm here, I'm with you. What's, what's the matter? And, and, and you're, oh, you're just kind of like, Life is now safe because of the presence of mom or dad. It's right there with you. How much more does God's presence sustain us or should sustain us? Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence brings assurance. It brings assurance. My question is, does it bring assurance? This morning. And then lastly is his peace. Are we resting in his peace? When Jesus, Jesus is the prince of peace. And you might be looking at your life going, gosh, I, it's, it's chaos. It's, it's, it's turmoil. There's things happening all through my life and I don't know. It, but God is our peace. And we need to be resting in that peace this morning. Let's read on in verse 25. It says, and they were afraid and marveled. Ha, the disciples, they just didn't understand Jesus quite yet. They were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds in the water, and they obey him. Wow. They're encountering Jesus. 
as they live with Jesus. They're starting to understand the deeper truths of the Messiah. And the same is true of us. When, when we walk through this and we, we dig into God's word, man, we start to understand and know God in a different way. And I encourage you, as, as you leave this place, don't just put this on the shelf. Don't just say, well, that was enough for this week. Dive into God's word and dig in because he's got more truth for you. Verse 26, and they sailed to the, the country of the Gadarenes, which in, is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out, of, out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in, to, in the tombs. This surely would have been a shocking moment. They uh, are uh, just been through, to put yourself in the disciples' shoes, it's been a long day of ministry. Uh, they've been cruising across the sea. They get to the other side, and they've, they've been through this storm, and they get to the beach, and this crazy naked man meets them on the beach. And they're going, oh my gosh. Oh, Lord. Jesus, can you just send them away? And Jesus is thinking to himself, that's why I came. I came for that guy. Listen to what Mark's account says about this man. Mark 5, verse 3 through 5 says, And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, and cutting himself with stones. A man with supernatural power to break chains because of the demonic that live inside him. A sad reality of this man's life, being tormented by Satan himself and his demons Trapped, no hope, crazy in his head, and no one could help him. They tried to restrain him, couldn't, and they sent him away in isolation to the tombs where the dead reside. You know what's sad is that this is happening in our society today. People are living in torment, bound by chains in their lives, cutting themselves, self-mutilation, couldn't, can't find any hope, can't find any, 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 any uh, purpose. And they have they, if feel, to feel something in life, they have to cut themselves to find help in in. in in some sort of feeling in this life. And yet our society today has no answers for them. A lot of them. Most of our society has, doesn't know what to do. So what do they do? They, they 
alienate, they, they isolate, and they medicate, right? That's what we do. What they need is the power of Jesus. What they need is the, an encounter with the true and living God that can transform their life and, and change them from the inside out and break the bonds of these chains that are in their lives. That's partly why we've started E4, because we want to invest in this next generation and give them the truth so that they can speak into their generation and, and see them one for Jesus. One young person at a time. That's our hope. That's our desire. Let's look, look on in this, this story, verse 28. When, the, when he saw Jesus... He cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high? Interesting that he knows who Jesus is. He knows exactly who he is. He's the son of the most high and that he understands the authority that he has. I beg you, do not, do not torment me. That's interesting. For he had commanded the, the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was, and he was uh, kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the, the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, legion, because many demons have entered him. And they begged him, that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now, I, I want to point out something here. This, this is a very special moment in Scripture because it's dealing with demons, and we don't see that very often in Scripture. In fact, this is the only moment that we see Jesus deal with demons in, in Scripture. We also understand that demons are dealt with in, in the, the uh, book of Revelation. We also know that scripture tells us that demons are fallen angels, that a third of them were cast out of heaven, right? And some are incarcerated. We will find out, we, will, uh, we understand as we read scripture that some are incarcerated in this place called the bottomless pit. Well, it's interesting that Jesus says, asks his name. He says, what is your name? And he says, legions, because many demons have entered him. Uh, a legion in a military term is 6,000 foot soldiers. I don't know how many demons this man has in him, but he has a lot. The fact that these demons had possessed this man overwhelmed are overwhelming to think about if you just think about the moment of, of this man being overtaken in the, the magnitude of, of this power, demonic power that had, has uh, taken over his life. I find it interesting that here's this man, he seems very tormented, right? He, he seems tormented. He, he's in shackles. He breaks the shackles. He's in isolation. He, he's roaming around like an animal uh, in, in, these, in, in this story. He, he retreats back to the cemetery uh, where the dead reside. And, and, Jesus, and he cries out to Jesus and says, don't torment me. 
well, aren't you already in torment? Like, how, how bad, worse can it get, you know? Like, what is Jesus going to do to you to torment you? And, and yet, Jesus is, is ref, he's referring to something specific. Look at verse 31 again. He says, they begged him that he would not be commanded them to go into the abyss. Well, the word abyss is abosas in the Greek. It is the word, not applesauce, okay? Abosas, okay? It's the Greek word abosas, and what it means is the bottomless pit. It is the same reference that we see in, in Revelation when he's talking about the bottomless pit. Interesting. These demons knew about the demons that were, were being incarcerated in the bottomless pit, later to be released in the midst of the tribulation onto the earth to torment the, 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 the earth and mankind that's left at that time. And they said, please, please don't send us to the abyss. Please don't send us to the place where, where the other demons are incarcerated Demons know a lot about what's happening in this world. It's interesting. This brings me to a very important truth, and that is that Satan and the demonic are real. It's not something to be played with. It's not just a happy thing or, or, or just a small, like, oh, you know, demons and, and Satan, no, oh, big you know, let's just kind of play around with it, with it. No. It's kind of fitting that I'm teaching on this subject the day before Halloween. I have to be honest, I, I, I've never liked Halloween. I don't like it. I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I, I don't like what I see around me. I don't like what I'm, when I'm driving through my neighborhood and I see all that, that's out it, it, I, I pray against it um, as much as I can. You know why? Because Satan is glorified. He is lifted up on that day. Darkness and demons are applauded. And, and what's sad is we have joined in to the celebration, so to speak. Be careful. Romans chapter 13 verse 12 says, Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, What communion has light with darkness? You see, darkness is celebrated that day. Satan and his demons will be out. <laughs> Seeking to steal, to kill, to destroy lives. That's what they do. That's what they will be doing tomorrow. Seeking those that they may control, just like this demon-possessed man. And yet, that's why we have the harvest gathering tomorrow night. Because we're not afraid, guys. We don't need to walk in fear. We need to take back what the enemy has stolen, amen? Like we need to take back what the enemy has stolen. We're not gonna walk in fear, no. Jesus has given us the victory. We're gonna put on the armor of light tomorrow. We're gonna fight 
We're going to wage war against the enemy. And we're going to provide something. And we're going to give glory to Jesus and not to darkness on that day. We can't just yield, give in, go into our house and close the door. I'm not going to be a part of that. No, let's fight. Let's go and do something different. Let's speak Jesus. Let's speak the name of Jesus. Let's, let's bring light into the darkness where, where it needs to go and, and do something radical in our day and age. So these demons... <laughs> They, uh, they come out of this man in just a moment. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is they recognize something that most people don't recognize, and that's the authority of Christ. The, the power that Jesus has, the, the authority that Jesus has and brings in this moment, they are yielding to Jesus at the, at the sight of Jesus. You know, G- demons believe in Jesus, and they tremble. That's what James 2.19 says. Well, let's read on in this story. Verse 32, Jesus has the power over the demonic. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that they would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down and down the steep place and into the lake and drowned. Now this is the first record of deviled ham in scripture. Some of you have already heard that. Actually, it is the first uh, glimpse of the swine flu. Swine flu. Okay, we'll move on. Okay, verse 34. When those, were, uh, when those who, f- who fed who fed them, saw that they, they had ha- what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and to the country. And they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man who, from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had... Uh, who had seen it told them by what means he who, ha- he who had been demon-possessed was healed, then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from there from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he, meaning Jesus, got in the boat and returned. The multitude, the city, had seen this powerful move of God in this man's life, and yet they didn't want anything to do with it. They asked Jesus to leave. Can you leave, please? You actually have taken away my, uh, our livelihood. Our pigs are now dead, and you, uh, we, we're not happy with you. Would you please just leave? And yet this man is transformed, sitting in his right mind, clothed and in, in, in willing to, to be a testimony of what Jesus has done. And these people say, no, nah, I'm not interested. And oftentimes, when God moves in a powerful way today, 
The world looks on in fear instead of faith. They don't understand. They mock from a distance because they don't understand and they look on in disbelief because they just don't understand why we're here in this building. They don't understand the grace of God. They don't understand what it means to be transformed and be forgiven of their sin, of, of, of your sin. They don't understand the love of Jesus and why we come into this place because we've been raptured by Jesus' life. We've been transformed. And these people don't know. And yet, this man, this man was transformed by Jesus. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And he asked Jesus in verses 38, look at verses 38 now, the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed with, uh, throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. This man begged Jesus, Jesus, oh, I, I, I owe you my life. I, I, I was trapped, I was bound, I was in bondage to these demons and you have set me free. Thank you. Can I go with you? Can I, can I be, just, can I follow you? Whatever I, can, whatever I can do, I owe you my life. And Jesus says, you know what, I think it might be best for you to stay here and be a witness and go tell everyone what I have done in your life. I want you to hear this. This is the challenge this morning is you've been transformed just like this man. You have been wrapped, you, you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and we have a testimony to tell this world. You are uh, called into mission, just like this man is called into mission with him to go and proclaim and tell the good things that Jesus has done and I, I, I wanna encourage you to do the same. God is calling you to step out of those doors and be on mission with him to be his witness to tell this world the good things that Jesus has done in your life. Would you be so bold to actually do it? Would you pass the test the next time God places you in a, circ a circumstance, in a situation that you can open up your mouth and share the good news and yet pass the test by, by sharing what God has done, what Christ has done in your life? You see, this man has been transformed by Jesus. He's sitting at Jesus' feet in this story and he's clothed in his right mind a life that has been transformed, changed from darkness to light. Jesus had come across this sea, through this storm, to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what he's about today. 
that man was in bondage to Satan and his demons, and now he is set free. And maybe you sit here this morning and you go, you, I know what that feels like to be set free. I want you to just sit there for a moment and just thank the Lord. God, thank you for setting me free from the bondage of sin in the things of this world. That I'm not trapped anymore. That I'm set free. And that's God's heart still today is to seek and to save that which was lost. As we close, let me encourage you with a couple things. What test are you going through? We all are walking our faith. We're walking out our faith. What is your faith test today? I hope that Jesus won't say to us, uh, this church, where is your faith? I hope he says, wow, I'm so encouraged by the faith I see of Rocky Mountain Calvary. So, I encourage you as you step into this week, as you go into tomorrow, as you walk through this life, that you would be aware of the tests that God's putting you in and that you would pass it. You press through because the testing of our faith produces patience and hope and perseverance. So be challenged by that. Hold on to his promises. Believe in his presence. Trust his presence in your life because it's powerful. He lives inside you. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, when he ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. He is present with you. That is powerful, guys. Hold on to that. Use that. Walk in that as we walk this out. And then remember that as we leave these doors, step into the mission that God has for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask in, in, in your precious name that you would give us strength, Lord, to live this out. It's not easy, Lord, to, to be on mission with you. Lord, uh, so many pressures in this world, and, and Lord, it just seems so hard sometimes to speak of your name in moments when, when the world is getting so dark. And yet, Lord, you want your light to shine. May we not hold on to this light and put it under a basket, basket, but Lord, we put it on its stand so it gives light to everyone in the house and everyone in this world. And so, Lord, let our light shine in the darkness, Lord, and let it penetrate and do its work. Lord, use us. Use us, your church, to do what you've called us to do, to be your witness, Lord. And may this story, Lord, empower us to do that in a greater way. We love you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.